Hey you guys, welcome to Poking Bears, where I get to talk to incredible individuals about who they are and where they think the world is headed. Today I get to chat with Kin Nguyen about her journey so far. We talked about her background in martial arts, her growing expertise in mindfulness, Project Lullaby, and how to do your part in this battle around the world. She also shared some of her tips on how to take care of your mental health in this climate. Hang in there, y'all, and I hope you enjoy listening. I'm just so glad that you're here, and I'm so glad that we get to chat because it's been a while since we chatted, actually. And oh, yeah. And I would like to say, like, over the past couple of months or so, I've had an opportunity to kind of get to know you a little and then kind of maintain this correspondence with you, which is still surreal to me. But I'm just so glad that we can do this because there's so many questions that I want to ask you and so many things that I want to get into. So thank you for being here. Oh, no. Thank you for being yourself. I, I love talking to you and it was so nice, you know, getting to you, getting to know you better. Thank you. So I like to dial back a little and kind of go back to your beginnings. So my question is, what was your childhood like? Yeah, so my childhood was pretty nice. I grew up in Ukraine and I was surrounded by lots of European people. And uh, usually I was the only Asian in my class mm. growing up. So that was interesting now with, you know, uh, being aware of these uh, racial injustices or justices things. It was kind of like interesting to reflect back. And yeah, nothing much. Yeah, I think I was just like a pretty active kid growing up. Right. Were you always like this wise kid and like this old soul who was always a leader? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I would read a lot for sure, but mm. I don't think I was like a wise kid meditating. I started meditating, yeah, um, you know, way later in like my life. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I did, um, I do, I do remember that I was a pretty kind of um, empathetic kid, mm. and I was really introspective. So whenever something happened to other people, I would always think about it and then reflect about it unconsciously without knowing what reflecting was. Right. It just makes me, you know, think back to when you said like you poked a beehive. I think you've always been like this courageous kid and who is just brave. And I see so much of that in you right now, too. I mean, you're just your champ and, and the way that you kind of handle things and just the amount of confidence that you have. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so when did dance enter your life? Uh, I've been doing actually martial arts since I was small. And then one day, but I hated it. My mom, my mom was like, no, you have to learn how to protect yourself as a girl, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm going to go. But when I get my black belt, I'm going to go dance. So she was like, okay, get your black belt and then you go dance. So once I got in my black belt, which was high school, I started dancing. And I mm. um, I started, um, I just like looked up uh, the first dance studio on Google. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go there. So I went there and that's how everything started. It was fun. It was really fun. Mm. And where did that curiosity to dance come from? Were you always just fascinated by it because your friends were in it? Or is it just something that you grew up and wanted to do as well? Uh, I think I grew up watching lots of, you know, music videos. And there was a lot of dancing. And I was just really curious about it. And since I was like a pretty, you know, active kid, I always wanted to do something more physical. Right. So transitioning from martial arts into dancing was kind of logical for me. And I thought it was like really fun. Uh, I didn't really have any friends uh, at that time who were dancing. So I, I think I was the first one to actually go into it. And I never regretted that decision. Right. 
And I, I imagine that coming from a martial arts background, you've already, you know, you've went through all the stages, you've, you've accomplished all these um, levels and achieved all these belts. So with that, for sure, comes a lot of discipline and a lot of respect for the body, because I'm sure that a lot of understanding of body awareness and kind of um, respecting your personal space, I, I'm sure that came from a lot of your training in martial arts. So coming to dance with that sort of background, I imagine that you come in with, you know, this different toolkit and did that, did that help your journey or did that enhance it in any way? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think um, uh, there are good things and bad things. Uh, but I think there are more good things. You are so right about discipline and, you know, going into practice. You want to be focused. You want to be engaged, right? You want to be 100%. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of transferred from doing martial arts. Um, mm-hmm. I think also uh, learning about how your body moves, mm-hmm. right, was the thing that really really helped me from martial arts and uh flexibility yeah flexibility was like a big thing because we were forced to you know do those splits and make sure that our lines are clean in martial arts so Mm -hmm. that transferred to but one bad thing was that um coming into dance i was really stiff uh Mm -hmm because everything in martial arts is kind of rigid and structured. So Mm -hmm. there's not that much freedom that you can follow, right? There's form. So coming into dance, I have to uh, learn how to be more, how to be smoother, how to let go Mm -hmm. and how to relax more. So I guess it's kind of like two sides of one coin. Right, totally. And I Mm -hmm. imagine that from you know martial arts, the the amount of control that goes into any movement that comes with it, I definitely I think I see that in your mm-hmm. movement, even in your past movement, you know, a couple of years ago or more than that, um, and I'm and I'm sure that's something additional that you carried with yourself too. Um, so it makes me wonder when you transitioned into dance, were there certain like key individuals that kind of helped your journey and and kind of uh, made you who you are today Mm, I'd say my first teacher my first actually though I think I'll probably have to give props to my martial arts teacher he was the one oh well that's crazy to say right martial arts and dance but I think my martial arts teacher my sensei he was the one who instilled this discipline respect and you know a sense of collaboration in in me so that I was care I carry it until today uh, another person who uh, really big influence on me was Reed Reed Roy <laughs> mm-hmm. he's the um, CEO of R2D and um, I'm the faculty on R2D he was a really big influence on my dance journey, he was the first person who actually asked me to dance uh, in a team when I came to Canada. So yeah, I, I respect him a lot and he did a lot for me. He gave me a lot of opportunities, always mm. always supported me through throughout everything. Um, another person, I think uh, Canine Collective, mm. just uh lots of people there probably everyone there uh played a lot of you know roles in my life i spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with them dancing and talking and uh every single single individual there uh always had something to offer and something new so i i'm always in a learning kind of mode when i'm with them so that's amazing um another person well I can't really think on top of my head (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I'm trying to uh name people who are in my close proximity instead Mm -hmm. of you know naming those um international choreographers even though they are my big influences too but I'd rather I'd, I'd want to honor people who are you know 
close to me and whom I know very well. I'd say AJ, AJ Velasco. Yeah, I I uh, I was a big fan of his movement, and it was really nice to uh, learn his movement more, a bit more, and actually dig into his style and uh, thinking into his brain on way on the way he thinks, on the way he creates. So that was really amazing, and I'm still learning a lot from him by just you know training with him and dancing with him. That's great. Oh my gosh, I have so many people. <laughs> right. I know. And I'm really glad that you you brought up your move to Canada because so when you came to Canada from Ukraine, uh, mm-hmm. did you find that your relationship with dance was changing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I came to Canada, I had no intention of actually dancing um, professionally. So um and um I was just you know what I'm just gonna dance for myself I like dancing so why not it's good exercise um but then when I met Reed and then when I got into um got into the Toronto dance scene and uh got to learn more and more about it I started I think naturally organically transitioning more and more and getting deeper and deeper uh, into it yeah so for sure mm-hmm. and coming into uh, coming into a place where you were kind of thrown into team settings like um, Candy Crow and R9 and K9 I think do you think like a training in a team setting and and having that role as as a teammate and more did that kind of shape you as a leader and a dancer as well uh yeah, but before I I'm gonna uh before I say something, I also would like to uh mention uh Ashley. Ashley, my friend. Um she was uh the first friend that I made in Canada. Uh and uh she was the director of Candid Crew. And uh we're still friends and I love her very much. She's my best friend, so I'd like to, you know, shout out to her for being an amazing friend and always inspiring me to do everything and anything. So yeah, before I say that, <laughs> but for sure. Uh, I, th- I was actually uh, kind of leading um, teaching in Ukraine before I came here and leading there. So I, I probably learned, transferred some, some of my, you know, like uh, teaching and leadership skills when I came here. But uh, I think I learned the most about leadership skills was when I actually joined Canine Collective and seeing how people work in a, uh, you know, company, company structure, right? And how things were moving and, and all the pieces that each person had to play to create a set or to, uh, um, to create a show or to shoot a video. A concept so that was really 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 interesting mm-hmm. I can I can imagine just the kind of influence that that brings upon and and you brought up you know kind of coming to Canada and kind of being exposed to various teams and companies and, and growing into the leader that you are today um, so it makes me really curious as to where did your love for creating come from because you're just I think a lot of your art, your art is just it's everything that you put out is kind of a masterpiece, at least for me. So it makes me wonder where that love for creating came from. Yeah, um, I think it was uh, since since I was a child, I was pretty curious and I always loved creating, um, not dancing wise, but I, I love playing Legos. Uh, and uh, whenever we had a craft class uh, in school I would always be the one you know how do you do this how do you do this let me do this so um so it kind of transferred I think I started uh, creating choreography the first year I started dancing so that was pretty I think it was really natural that I I just went with like a creating path for me dancing I enjoy dancing because I can create things. 
So yeah, and I, I, I'd probably want to consider myself more of a creator than just a dancer, I think. So yeah, um, since I was a child, and then once once I joined the dance community, I I started learning so many things um, about dance. And actually, yeah, when I joined K9, that's when I realized that there are so many other pieces that could be put into place to create something. So yeah, it's just a um, learning process, but my love for creating has always been there with me. And uh, right. yeah. Right. And because, I mean, you have created just really elaborate projects and elaborate sets. So I wanted to ask you if you could maybe describe your process in terms of um, creating. How does how does Ken create? Does it just come to you and then... Well, uh, initially, I um, when I first started, it just uh, everything was just in my head, and I was just think about it a lot and a lot, uh, and then I just put it out. I just tell tell whoever uh, records or my friend like, okay, let's just do it, and uh, I just do it. And uh, the more I do, the more I create, the more I post. I think the more experience I get on what I need to do. Um, but uh, for now, nowadays, I try my best to start with intention and purpose first and then build on to it. Um, yeah, I actually gave a lecture about how to uh, create a uh, concept video the other day mm. um, to, um, to the IBM program from R2D. Yeah, and I had like a whole PowerPoint presentation, but uh, it starts with intention and purpose, and uh, it is kind of the center of everything. And from your intention and purpose, you choose the song, you create choreography, you build your storyboards, you choose colors. Color theory is really important for me too. With with colors, right? We perceive colors differently as people so for example if it's a bright yellow orange you feel happier you see blue you feel calm you see black you kind of feel either very elegant and classy or depressed right so I I try to play with colors a lot or I'm very intentional with colors I think most importantly intention yeah Do you start with the message that you're trying to send or the story that you're trying to tell and then build on top of that? Yeah. Well, it depends on what you create, right? Um, uh, say if I, it's, 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 it's different every time. Say I want mm. to create just a dance piece for a class. My purpose and intention would be what would I want students to learn from this, right? So mm. then I just build from there. If I want to create a um, dance video or concept, then I'll say, I'll say, okay, what is my intention and purpose? I was talking about it in my lecture. Uh, it doesn't have to always be, you know, like I saved the world. Wow, you know, <laughs> something like super abstract, super, you know, humanitarian. It could be just, I just want to show how how I dance or. I want people to see how I move or I want to have fun and then build from that. Because a lot of the art that we do put out, it doesn't always have to be like, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be that one piece of art that saves people's lives. Sometimes yeah. it's just, it, it just needs to, you just need to put out this piece so that you can work on the next and then, you know, keep going from there and you just want to showcase the story or you want to showcase just your moves or just how happy you are or just how happy you're not things like that yeah absolutely uh it's so important to uh, just express right as long as you don't harm anyone I think you can just do anything create anything you want Mm, right and in addition to dance I think you've also been doing a lot of work as a mental health advocate so 
you know, it makes me curious as to where did that come from? Were you mm. always just aware of and, and furious about the mental health system and all the problems surrounding it? Where did that come from for you? Mm, yeah, well, I haven't, um, I've always been interested in meditation and things, but I haven't learned about mental, oh, sorry, not mental health, mindfulness until two years ago. And um, two years ago, uh, I lost my best friend and my partner at the time, Paolo. Mm -hmm. And um, he he caught a virus and then he just passed within three days. Mm -hmm. So that that put me in a really dark and uh, I, I call it interesting right now because I can't say that it was really interesting for me to be there. Not because it's fun. It's more like, I was like, wow, okay, I'm in this place right now. And what do I do from here? So I started looking into mindfulness things and mental health things because my mental health was really 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 suffering during that time and I started learning more and um, uh, I'm doing I'm doing so much better now but that that um, uh, situation that happened two years ago was the reason why I'm trying to be mindful and I try not to take things for granted anymore right because you never know uh, what's gonna happen Absolutely. And I, I imagine, I mean, the amount of the, the shock that, that must have brought on or the trauma that brings on, it really opens your eyes as to, you know, the how fragile each mm-hmm. person's mental health is and just how quickly it can turn from good to not so good. And, and I, I imagine that must have kind of changed your perspective on just how lightly other people and just how lightly our society um, tends to take mental health and in the problems surrounding it. So, and you know, that brings me to uh, kind of mindfulness, like you kind of mentioned. Lately, mm-hmm. I think for the past couple of years or so, you've been doing quite a bit of learning and, and, and teaching and, and advocating on on behalf of mindfulness. So, did you want to talk about that a little bit? Maybe like a summary for anyone listening who's not aware of what mindfulness is. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. I love to talk. I love talking about mindfulness. I talk about it all the time. Uh, but uh, simply speaking, mindfulness is being present. I can't put it simpler than that. Being present and being in the moment and enjoying things or experiencing actually things the way they are Mm. at the moment uh, in present. That is mindfulness. And in order to kind of practice mindfulness, you meditate, you uh, have some mindfulness techniques, you read, and that that practice is supposed to help you stay grounded. And I'd, I'd say I can speak only for myself, mindfulness practice help me become more aware of myself as a uh, person, aware of my body, aware of my thoughts, and also stay really, really present and grounded no matter what happens in my life. So that was that, that would be really helpful. Um, I've been uh, teaching, um, well, not explicitly teaching mindfulness, but I always try to put a mindfulness element whenever I teach a dance class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even call, I don't even mention, okay, this is a mindfulness technique. I just add it into a uh, kind of like a class syllabus. Mm-hmm. And um, every time I do it, I notice that people usually, all students usually feel better and they don't even know why they feel better. <laughs> usually after the class and they're like wow your class was really you know peaceful and I feel like I'm healing I'm like yeah uh but now nowadays I started doing mindfulness uh more seriously I just got my certification on mindfulness-based stress reduction uh and I just finished my uh, certification on dancing mindfulness which is um, a um, pr- 
practice where you use movement and dance as a mindfulness practice. Yeah, and I've been practicing since. Um, I taught a few dancing mindfulness classes to uh, my friends, and they've been really enjoying it. So uh, I'm planning to advocate for it a little bit more um, because there's lots of research that have shown that mindfulness is really good for your body, your brain, and just in general, your well-being as a human. So I'd like to push for it more. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought up mindful movement because that's what I was kind of uh, going to get into to ask you about. And you said that you kind of include that into your class syllabus and and you've been integrating it into your creativity as well. And it makes me very um, excited that, you know, movement is is no longer or, or it doesn't have to be just movement. You can do so much more with it and you can almost it's it's kind of like meditation but you're moving which is just like the best thing ever so um what what does mindful movement consist of and and how can people practice it so the way to practice uh mindful movement is to actually pay attention to your body sensations and um it doesn't matter what you do and what kind of movement you do. What matter is the quality of your awareness and the amount of focus you put into your body. Mm. I think that's the uh, important one. Mm. But to be honest, it is it is a practice and it's always changing. I'd say... Sometimes uh, in a dancing mindfulness class or mindful movement class, um, we work on certain aspects of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't really explicitly ask like, hey, what kind of problem do you have? We usually invite people, hey, look deep into yourself. What are the things you want to work on right now? And usually people say, I want to work on letting go. Or I want to work on being patient with myself. Or I want to work on loving myself just as who I am, right? Mm -hmm. And so we just move and work through it. And there's no specific set of movement, you know, like in Hip Hop Foundation, you have groove, box steps, two steps and stuff. With uh, mindful movement, your foundation is being present. Mm And this uh, non-striving attitude, which is interesting. It's like really hard to explain. Like the attitude where you don't strive for success. Mm-hmm. You just, you're just there. You don't try to be something. You just be. Mm-hmm. So that's the base for mindful movement, I guess. Like right. the most important. Yeah, no, I think that's just so profound to just just be and and be as you are instead of you know in in typically in a class setting your goal is to kind of imitate the teacher and and kind of pick up whatever moves and and you're always striving to be that best version whereas with mindful movement I imagine that the goal is is just to be your best self and figure out not even dance wise but more so just like you mentioned just being hyper aware of um, where your thoughts are going and, and just being aware of who you are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of uh, mindfulness is also um, noticing uh, what arises within you, mm-hmm. right? And um, most people have trouble noticing judgment <laughs> towards themselves. Usually when people meditate, when uh, they start thinking, when their minds, uh, when their minds start to wander, they judge themselves for doing that. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking again. I can't, I can't think right now. I'm meditating. Why am I thinking? You know, and that's judgment, right? And um, usually with mindfulness, you want to let go, just let go of judgment and not judge yourself for not being able to do something. And same with mindful movement. Some people might, you know, look at other people and they start, oh my gosh, this person is so much better than me. 
and I, I I can't even move, right? And learning how to let go of that judgment towards yourself is also really a really profound kind of practice, and it's really hard. And to your point, where you said that mindful movement, it's really at the core of feeling everything and being present with everything that arises and feeling at the highest volume. And I, I can't help but kind of connect that to, you know, the artist in you, because as an artist, I feel like the primary job of an artist is just to feel everything and then translate that and spit it out as this beautiful art that everybody else can admire as well. So it just, it, it makes me kind of make that connection where mindful movement, it's really at the core of um, creating art because through mindful movement, you can feel and you can ground yourself and, and absorb everything that's coming, the good and the bad and everything in between. Is that how you tend to create with mindful movement at, at the, as a priority? Uh, yes. Yes and no, to be honest. It depends on what I try to. Um, again, it depends on my purpose and intention, right? But I, I do try my best to be really mindful of every single thing that I do within uh, art nowadays because um, that helps me stay grounded mm. um because uh, i don't know if well i i experienced that right uh dance industry or just dance in general sometimes it might it can be toxic mm. right and sometimes your mind can can really really play games with you for example you look at your friend who is dancing with the artists or who's creating so much and you're like oh my gosh I can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And it's just going and going, right? And uh, for me, mindfulness helps me to just stay grounded and stick to my purpose mm-hmm. instead of looking outside and compare myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I realized a few years ago that comparison won't get you anywhere. And the only you know, person you want to compare yourself with is kind of mm-hmm. yourself, right? And uh being present really helps with that because it just puts you it's it's like you are in the room and it's just you in that room and you have to work in that room that's kind of like mindfulness for me Mm, absolutely and that kind of brings me to uh, something that I want to talk about it's Project Lullaby because it's been I think Project Lullaby all three volumes that you put out they're just such a monumental piece to this community. I feel like everyone, it's just, it's made this gigantic impact on everybody. I think it's safe to say that everyone has taken something from it. So it makes me wonder how that came about because it almost looks like, you know, you as this amazing creative, but also this mental health advocate said, you know what, I have an idea but I also have this really important message to share and this really important awareness to spread and education to share. So I'm going to fuse it together and and just create a three-part series. Was that primarily how that started? I appreciate you for kind words. (laughs) Project Lullaby is like my baby. So I appreciate you for, you know, saying good things about it. (laughs) Um. Yes, uh, Project Lullaby started off as my way to express um, darkness, I think, within me. Uh, as the first uh, episode came out, um, yes, it was my way to just let it out. Um, and I chose dance and film to, to do that. Uh, the first one didn't. Uh, I didn't have any intention to educate people on mental health for the first one. The first one was just for me to just let it out and just like be at peace with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started the second one, uh, that's when I was thinking more about the impact uh, rather than intention. Of when okay, I'm. I'm I'm putting out a video about depression and I want people to know that it is stigmatized or mental health is stigmatized and this is how 
a person might feel when they go through dark times, mm-hmm. right? Um, feelings or thoughts that just push you around or you just fall deep and sometimes it's dark and you can't see good things. And that's how people might feel, right? Uh, every single person's experience is mm-hmm. different, but this is one interpretation of how people might feel and when they go through dark things and um my intention was to show this uh, to show the emotions and feelings and struggles in order to promote more empathy and compassion and reduce this stigma around it um i realized that um within our dance community it's not something that you talk about Mm -hmm. right and um I always ask myself why, because so many people, even my friends, suffer and struggle with, you know, mental health. And I, yeah, so I think that was my way to express my frustrations also with, um, with you know, that stigma and with the idea that it's all in your head, um, which is not something you should tell uh people with depression and mental health issues um yeah so that was the second one and my third one was the one that i really well i targeted like the society right and how society can bring you down or how stigma can actually destroy a person or bring a person to a really dark place because of uh, lack of empathy and lack of compassion towards uh, people's feelings. So yeah, so that's how it came around. I'm actually working on the fourth part, and uh, oh my yeah. god, um, you can't see me here, but I'm like smiling right now. There's a fourth part. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually working on. <laughs> Yay! But because of COVID. Because of COVID, it's uh it's harder, but uh that the fourth one will probably be the last one that I put out from Project Lullaby, mm-hmm. and um, as much as I love this project, it's my baby. Um, I also realized that sometimes you have to let go of things to create new things, mm-hmm. right? So the fourth one would be the last one, and um, I hope I can start soon. But let's see how yeah. COVID, you know. Right goes <laughs> no and and such a gift I mean for artists like yourself to combine you know this message and this education that you're trying to spread and say I think I'm going to use my own art medium I'm going to use my own dance language to spread this message because that's how it reaches so many different people like Project Lullaby has reached so many individuals and just so many families and and I think it's it's really it's it's monumental to our community and beyond. So now that there's a fourth part coming, I'm just super excited to see everything that's going to come. And, and it's just amazing. Just such a huge fan of Project Lullaby. Oh, I appreciate you. <laughs> and you kind of mentioned, you know, with pandemic and, and the quarantine, things have been different in terms of creating and um, you know, just dancing in general. What was what was the first couple months of quarantine like for you? Were you were you able to kind of rest and and kind of sit with that stillness, or was it a challenge for you? Well, well, that's a really interesting question. Or like, um, I'd say my first two months was me trying to compensate for not dancing, so I would just take a lot of dance classes. It felt really weird. Uh, I think the whole world, or at least people around me, we were kind of in a denial, in a denial state. And we were just thinking, okay, it's just going to last a few months and then we're good, right? But the more time passed, the more um, confusion it brought to us. So um, I think... The first two months, for sure, I was just dancing, 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 dancing nonstop. The uh, the next few months, I just started doing something other, uh, other than dance, and that was, I think, a blessing in disguise for me. I mean, COVID, 
because during those months is when I learned so much about other things. Um, I started uh, uh, I started the mindfulness uh, certificate during those during those months, and um, I learned a lot. And then I've been taking some educational courses here and there, so I was just learning a lot. And I think the past two months, uh, I did not dance at all. Mm-hmm. Only until until a few weeks uh, now, I started dancing again, and it was so amazing not to dance. And um, I realized, uh, reflecting back now, I realized how much break I needed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that two month break of not dancing was so rejuvenating for me, and. Um, uh, if something, I think I started even dancing better because I felt better. Because <laughs> you're far more in tune with yourself. And, you know, at least for me, when, when the world kind of just stopped for like months, it was it was this intense stillness that I wasn't used to. And I was used to people hustling and bustling around me. And therefore, I wouldn't to hustle and bustle to catch up with them. So to see everyone kind of just stop doing what they were doing, it, for me, created the space to just figure out what what I wanted to do and, and what I wanted to prioritize. So I imagine that, you know, taking those two uh, months away from dance, it, it for sure brought you more in tune with yourself and definitely um, changed you as an artist for the better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have the same same sentiment as you. It was a really uncomfortable stillness, right? At first, at first, it was an uncomfortable stillness and quiet because, as you said, we were so used to just go, 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 go. And when we we were forced to not do anything, we feel weird because we're not used to doing nothing. And that was a really interesting. Um, thought I had the other day I was I was talking to my friend and I was saying you know what we should learn we should learn how to do nothing and we, we had such a long conversation about it we're like yes people only know how to do something but we don't know how to do nothing and when you do nothing is when you're truly resting and you're truly you know being with yourself and that kind of opens up another question. It's like, okay, since people, since we do not know how to do nothing, we do not know how to stay with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that was like mind blowing because I'm like, oh my God, COVID actually forced people to learn about themselves as people without those, you know, like uh, schedules, mm-hmm. work and stuff. It's just learning how to be with yourself and do nothing yeah yeah and and you know just talking about that break from dance it makes me wonder did it kind of um enrage the fire that that comes with being an advocate because I find that you know for the past few months or so I think social media has really changed in the in its purpose and has changed in the way that it allows us to function because primarily it's become this news outlet it's become this education center and it's where everyone's tuned in to kind of absorb something and and take something home with them and and because of that there's just been you know so much kind of firing on on social media so did it kind of did your creativity flow into that aspect when it was kind of resting from dance uh I think so um yeah, since COVID, since we're like staying more and more with ourselves, you start, you know, um, I guess digesting things differently or consuming things differently, and you have more time to think about it. So that definitely made me realize many, many, many things. And with things that are happening in the world, I realized that we all have something to we all need to do something as just you know a person and you have no excuse to I think not do anything it doesn't have to be something public it doesn't have to be something you know that involves 
many people it could be just doing something within yourself mm-hmm. and creating that change unlearning and learning new things right mm. so yeah definitely lots of fire inside me uh, <laughs> that I was trying to at first I was trying to tame but uh I realized that the more I tame it the bigger it gets so I just let it out mm. and yeah and I felt really liberated when you know things were happening and uh, for the first time you know in a long time I started feeling that social media was actually useful right at least for me I was like wow okay people are posting a lot of infographics a lot of interesting you know informative stuff and this is how I want to use my social media instead of just browsing aimlessly watching different things I think uh yeah there's more purpose to social media now for me at least no absolutely because I'm kind of the same way too I mean when I started seeing my friends and the people that I look up to actually make some noise for the right reasons that got me just just so excited because like finally we're doing it right we're finally playing the sport right because people are starting to realize how the algorithm works and, and just how much time we all spend on social media. I mean, there are so many ways that you can track the amount of time that you spend, but the amount of time that we spend, there's absolutely no excuse to not do something good with it, not to learn something from it, not to teach something from it. So I was really, really happy to see that, you know, the people in our community and, and, you know, my close friends are speaking out and, and, and doing the right things. And so, you know, that brings me to this point where a lot of people are just kind of getting started, you know, with mm-hmm. 2020 and everything that's happening. Um, it's definitely setting other people on fire. Some people who have previously been able to kind of avoid that kind of like you said, where I, I really believe everyone's got that fire in them. Everyone is angry about something in the world. I feel like a lot of people are just starting to do something with that fire. And as someone who has been, you know, advocating for a long time and, and been sharing and ed- educating and just doing everything for a long time, um, where do you think people can start? For people listening who are just entering that battle arena, how do you think people can start doing the work? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's like a really loaded question. Uh, well, I remember a few weeks ago, we talked about anger and how we uh, how we perceive anger as a negative emotion, but it's actually a good emotion. And anger mm-hmm. is an indication to us or to the person feeling it that something that something needs to be done or you are being treated unfairly in a way and it's an indication for you to do something right Mm -hmm. so I guess the first thing for you know people who want to start is to realize that if you feel angry then there's something wrong or uh, not something wrong Um, if you feel angry you've either been mistreated or other people around you have been mistreated and you want to do something about it right mm. and uh but not not throw books or you know shoes at people <laughs> uh do it really intelligently <laughs> um and respectfully uh i think number 2 is to actually look deep into yourself and um, find the blind spots mm. because we also want to realize that we are we're all humans and we all make mistakes and there are some parts of us that are at fault and we want to realize that too and um, start unlearning those patterns and learning new patterns and I guess just you know lead by example I think that's that's like one thing that I learned from like a um, course uh, lately, there was like a leadership course and there is say that there are silent leaders and some leaders just lead by example. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if if it is enough for you to just lead by example, it's fine. I, I think that's, that's great. 
Um, another way to do it is to actually start from like a small circle, right? From the people that you trust and you believe and mm-hmm. just hope that that kind of information or that movement will inspire them to do something as well. Um, most importantly, it starts from you, right? Because you can't really control what other people feel and what they can do. But if you can inspire them to do something, then I think that's like the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that I really believe in is that we all have a certain kind of influence on people. Mm-hmm. Some, of course, have more than others, but we're all born with that. We're all born with that influence. And especially with you know, having platforms on social media, I think that's just such a gigantic privilege. And, you know, we should be using it to kind of highlight people's voices who who cannot be on social media or who are going through far worse and who, who don't have anyone to advocate their voices for. Because, you know, having social media and having these other amazing platforms and influence it is a gigantic privilege. And until people kind of recognize that, I feel like we're not going to necessarily see too much change and we're not going to see too many people using it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, it all comes from you, to be honest. You, and that is why I stress, I, I, I truly believe in being mindful and being aware of who you are is when the change is going to come. Because um, some, sometimes we are not even aware of our negative patterns, right? Mm. And like, or things that we do not do that lead to negative consequences, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. And that stems from your, your yourself. So knowing yourself is so important. Knowing who you are and knowing what exactly you want to do is so important to you know if you want to do some kind of activist work because unless you know who you are you won't be able to promote anything or to fight for Mm -hmm. something right yeah absolutely I was having this conversation with my friend a couple weeks ago where we were talking about you know being an activist it's, it's not all the same thing and you can do different things to do the work everyone plays a different role and everyone's got these different strengths and these amazing qualities that make them far more qualified for one part of the work than, than the other and it's really about like you said kind of turning inward and figuring out who you are and what are you fighting for what pisses you off so much that you just have to do something about it and once you kind of have that down it's it's figuring out well what can I do about it what do I have in my vicinity what am I privileged with that I can use to start having conversations or to do uh, to start making change and that could be you know like sharing posts or creating educational infographics or donating if that's what you're capable of and that's how you wish to help or organizing and protesting. There's just so many different things that people can do. And it's not all the same thing. So you're absolutely right. It's it's really about going inward and figuring out what is the best way that I can help rather than looking outward and seeing how other people are helping and then trying to kind of imitate that in a very performative way. So I feel like that's just what a lot of people need to start doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I do agree with that. And um, I think uh, for just like for everyone, it's also um, I've been I've been I've been practicing this a lot lately is not judgment. um, And specifically, making sure that um, whenever I see something, I don't judge. <laughs> I try my best, but sometimes you know your mind is like wow la 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 la. <laughs> but non-judgment when you see when you don't see things that you would want to see, right? And just uh making sure that you accept that and not judge people for 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 things, right? Because we we don't know their lives and we don't know what they are going through. And we don't see, you know, their lives 100%. So 
it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense or yeah it doesn't make sense for well myself at least personally to just like say like oh hey you're not posting about this and this what are you doing right because right? I, I can't judge that because I don't know what this person is going through and maybe they're not posting it because it's like triggering or they they had internal conversations already and they feel like they don't need it anymore right they don't need to publicly show it so it's up to every single person and again just uh trusting that everyone is doing their own internal work in order to make this community or the world better and from from my from my side it seems like everyone is doing lots of internal work and it's really great to see friends around me starting you know different movements and you know you starting a podcast that's amazing so it's it's cr- it's crazy but it's really good hmm yeah thank you and you know i've kind of learned that same lesson and it's taken me a while to kind of understand that because i think early on where just so much was going on and, and the intensity of it was just something that a lot of us have never seen before i used to get a, you know a lot of my anger from not only the things that were happening and the circumstances around the world but also the fact that the people closest to me and the people that i look up to the most were almost unbothered by it or or so or so it seemed to me where no one was as angry as i was and then that just added to my anger and and it became to a point where it wasn't healthy for me to be angry that others aren't angry and it's taken me a while to kind of you know go inward and see well why does this make me angry and then how can i combat it where and you know me i can talk about my anger for <laughs> hours and hours but yeah i think it's taken me a while to kind of realize that you got to do what you can um and and you have to realize that other people could be doing things differently and like you mentioned like it's 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 all about empathy you have to figure out that everyone's got different strengths everyone's got different um capacities and and different everyone's different and we've got different lives where people need to channel their force and and join the fight in their own way and in their own time so that's just something that i've been kind of working on and you know even going further to figure out what is how do i want to use my own anger because like you said anger only becomes a good thing when you're not like throwing a fit and throwing like books everywhere and just mm-hmm. the right kind of anger and the useful kind of anger is often a lot more silent and a lot more uh impactful because it comes forward through something different so that's that's something that i've also had kind of the opportunity to kind of think about and, and kind of dissect and in that same vein i think we talked about social media becoming this um this news platform and we've just see we see a lot of bad news coming in almost on a daily basis where it's a lot it's very triggering for people and mm-hmm. it's also really bad for a lot of for a lot of our mental health you know mm-hmm. it's, it's bad to be exposed to um that degree of bad news for that amount of time so how do you how do you deal with it and how do you kind of prioritize your own um peace and and how do you still you know keep that balance between advocating and using using social media for the right reasons but also drawing that line and and kind of maintaining that boundary so that your mental health is not sacrificed in the process mhm well this is Yeah, you really need a lot of introspection and balance within you in order to do that and I'm still working on it to be honest. Uh but what I realized from this pandemic is that bad news have always been there. It's mm. it's only when during the pandemic is when people open their eyes mm-hmm. to allow bad news to come into their lives. because before pre-pandemic everyone was so busy that no one was even you know no one even had time to actually read about this or do something about it and um things like that have been happening for centuries or years there's always something bad happening in the world 
but only right now we are more aware or we're using social media to bring more awareness towards something that existed a long time ago. So bad things have always been there. So I don't know, that sole idea of knowing that it's always been there, but I'm only seeing it right now is like kind of, it doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel that, okay, so this is the world. This is the real world, right? That we have to look at. And that, you know, acceptance that the real world is not unicorn and butterflies <laughs> is important. Um, two, I think uh, taking breaks from social media. Sometimes it could be too draining to just stay there for too long and setting time limits for you within the day is really important for me. Uh, for example, I have a time limit on my phone and uh, if I go over that limit, it just closes all the uh, uh, apps and things so then I can't access it anymore. So that's been really helpful for me. And um, another thing is, um, I was actually thinking about it maybe two days ago, uh, being really aware of what you consume, right? Because sometimes we just consume without knowing what we're consuming, and then it, uh, it harms us. For me, it helps to just like, if I look into an infographic, and I just glance through it a little bit and I just think, okay, this is the information that is really loaded. I need another day to think about it. So I just save it mm -hmm. and then I go back into it when I'm ready. Mm -hmm. So doing small things like that. But, um, you know, an interesting thing that I noticed that, um, recently is that I have become really aware mm -hmm. of uh, my uh, posts. So, for example... If there's something that needs to be heard or seen more than me dancing, I'd rather not post and just let it, you know, like let other people, you know, say something. And uh, I just don't want to saturate people's feeds with me, with myself when there's something more important going on. So that was like a breakthrough moment for me. I'm like, wow, I've grown. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> But yeah, I think we need to be really, really aware of what we're, we're posting and what we're yeah. consuming and making sure that we take breaks. No, absolutely. And one of my personal heroes, uh, Sophia Bush, she kind of spoke about this a little bit. And, and the way she kind of describes it is, is it's almost like a relay race where, like you said, this has been going on forever and it probably will continue in some shape or form. But it's about realizing that you don't have to run the whole time. You know, you can pass the baton off to someone else and then they can carry it on for for that day or for the amount of time that you need to recharge. Mm -hmm. And kind of realizing that there's this entire support system around you who is also fighting in their own way. And, and you are by no means fighting alone. And that's taken me a while to kind of... Uh, you know, consume that in and properly understand that there are people around me who are as angry as I am, but they just, they're just better at covering it up and they're just better <laughs> at kind of channeling it in, you know, in a different way. So it's about realizing that you don't have to run the whole time. You can, and you are encouraged to recharge and rest and, and, you know, do other things and, you know, rest assured that there are other people who are fighting in the meantime. And when oh. you're ready to pick it back up, you can just enter the battlefield and, and do your thing again. So that's been really interesting to kind of read about and learn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it brings me to my last question for you today. <laughs> um, you're this amazing person with so many qualities and so many you know, things that you offer to the world. Uh, I really wonder what your superpower is or what you think your superpower is. Mm. Well, that's an interesting, well, well, first, first of all, thank you so much for, uh, you know, putting me in such high regard. I, uh, I'm just a human, right? And I make mistakes. I do things 
I sometimes I do stupid things, and uh, sometimes I do I do good things, you know. And it's it's just life. Um, I think my superpower would be healing. I have uh, discovered this superpower maybe a few years ago when I realized that a lot of people uh, would come to me after class and say, I felt really good after your class, or I felt rejuvenated, or thank you so much, I feel mm-hmm. so much better. And I was thinking, why, why is this happening? And I realized that I have this kind of uh, inner compassion radar um, mm-hmm. to just notice when someone is going through something. Um, I unconsciously try to help, right? And it's been helping people. And uh, that is why I decided to pursue mindfulness and, you know, just get that, um, just improve the healing <laughs> properties. <laughs> it's so funny to say that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'd love to. I don't think I'm at that point yet, but I'd love to have healing as my superpower. And uh, I would like to use my art to heal people. And mm. and that is going to be my mission for life. And um, I also realize that I can't heal everyone, but whoever I cross paths with, I hope uh, I would be able to bring them towards a healing journey that they deserve and just you know realizing that they are like they are just as beautiful as they are and they're enough and there's nothing else that they need to add into who they already are right to be amazing and to be great so yeah (laughs) oh I love that and and such a gift for for me and, and all the other people who get to benefit from that superpower to have you as this force because you do and, and we've talked about this before but you do radiate that energy where automatically you know me I can speak for myself I just feel better and, and it's just you have you definitely have that power and I'm just so grateful for it oh thank you so much Rave. um I'm really grateful for you for doing all of this and uh, being the voice and not being afraid to be the voice, right? And mm. being in the front front lines, I'd say, right? Um, mm. So I just want to wish you all the luck and you have all my support with whatever you do because you're doing amazing things and great things. And uh, I think the community needs more people just like you to, you know, not that we don't have, but we need more, <laughs> right? Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's just, thank you. It means a lot. Thank you for listening to Poking Bears. This podcast's music was produced by Alex Ma, and the artwork is designed by Farah Shahade. See you soon.